Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. This is Pastor Sarah Levecki, and this is the recording of our most recent Sunday sermon. We hope you enjoy. This is going to be the year I'm telling you, for those of you who love me, you're going to love me more. For those of you who don't like me, you're probably going to not like me more. Because this year, we're going to address all of the things that folks try to... We're going to address it all. Things are going to get in order. Now I'm going to open this sermon with a, with, a, with a profound amount of vulnerability, transparency, and I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to tell you the truth. One of the most profound pains that I experienced in my life in ministry was wanting to do more for my wife, but being radically limited because I had chose to serve God knowing that if I would have done other things, I'll have a lot of money. I was 18 years old, bro. I had like 150 grams of gold on me already at like 18. I would have had money. And the Lord apprehended me, and he absolutely destroyed me. For more than a decade, destroyed me. In so many ways, on so many levels, it's even hard to communicate. Destroyed. I'm talking about completely destroyed. Frustrated, getting robbed by the church. A lot of things on a lot of levels. I'm just going to talk straight. Very difficult time. It is not that time (laughs) anymore. But what I'm saying is this is very real. So the things that I'm sharing today are not because I'm asking for anything. They're not because I need anything. They're because this is what the Bible says. And when, when you deal with something in your life as a Christian, if you're a Christian, what we want to ask ourselves is not what do I feel, not what does pastor think, what does the Bible say? about this matter. So if we're talking about ethics, if we're talking about economics, sexuality, work, family, what does God say about a matter? Because that's all that matters is what God says about the matter. So we'll either agree with God or we'll be in our, we'll be in la-la land. And so I wanted to just share that and just start that by saying that this is very, very important. And what we're experiencing in, in our life and ministry is supernatural. Today, I just opened my phone. Someone just sold $1,000 into the, the Haiti well. There's, there's more that happens now in a day than used to happen in a month. I'm going to read you some alarming statistics. And you may be part of these statistics. Um, but I don't want you to feel bad. No one is here to shame you. I spent years crying out to God, saying, God, this is, this is disorderly, and this is not right. And I need you to do something about it, because this is not just. Then Pastor Jason said a word, and he said that there's going to be recompense. And he looked at me, and he said, recompense. It's going to be recompense, which was, is when God reconciles what is missing. God. I'll take that. And he was right. So now America's debt is $31.4 trillion, which is now bigger than its GDP, which is $23.3 trillion. If that was me or you, we'd be homeless. Without a good military, we'd be in major, major trouble because the bullies would come and they show up at the ATM and they crack you over the head with a Louisville bat and take all your money. So if we didn't have a serious military, we would be in serious trouble. This is a fact. The average American has $96,371 of debt 
America has $10.93 trillion worth of both credit card and mortgage debt. Do you understand that that is a staggering number? How in the world are you going to have the same level of mortgage debt versus credit card debt? If you just think about that, that just doesn't make any sense. It's very, very troubling. 74 million Americans have more credit card debt than savings. That is extremely bad. That is extremely bad. Years ago, I had an opportunity. I was like, buy a Rolex and have debt, or buy a Breitling, pay my debt, and make the wise choice. You know what I did? I bought a Britling and I paid my debt because in my mind, how am I gonna have a Rolex with credit card debt? That's a, that doesn't even make sense. That's, 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 not, that's not what I'm about. I'm not about fake Rolexes and I'm not about fakeness and I'd rather have, I'm not into that. That's, that's really not healthy. Only 5% of churchgoers tithe which is not the situation here. We have a supernatural flow here and still some people are not tithing. 1.5 million people tithe out of the 247 million US citizens that identify as Christians. That means that only 1.5 million out of 247 million are at the very bottom line, the very bottom line faithful with just one part of their finance, just one part. When you look at the indebtedness of Christians in the indebtedness of the world, you'll find virtually no difference. Most marriages end because of money. That's, and that was not in here. 77% of tithers, 77% of tithers give more than 10%. Now I'm gonna make a few comments on tithing, what tithing is, what tithing is it. Some people, don't understand what tithing is. Tithing is the first 10% of all of your increase. People many times eat their seed and sow their tithe. My tithe is not to Haiti. My tithe is not to a project. My tithe is to the local house. That, that's a whole different thing. So if you make $50,000, $5,000, that's your tithe. Many times people sow their tithe because they want to have an impact greater than the season of life that they're in. It's like buying a car that you can't afford to impress people that don't like you anyway. You, 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 you want to have a big impact, but you're not ready for a big impact. So you're sowing your tithe. So if I, if I look at what happened, all I, if I can show you the record, the record is that only one person got a bonus for Christmas because there was only one tithe off a bonus for Christmas, one person, which means that people are, are they're not tithing, they're off, they're giving their tithe, which is not, that's not the principle. Even if you give me something, that's not a tithe. A tithe is to the local storehouse so that the local storehouse is full so that we could move out from this place. See, this is, this is, this is, a, this is a, a big thing, and I'm telling you this not to be a jerk. And also, let me just be honest with you. <clears throat> Personally, I don't have all that much to gain because once I hit a certain level of what I'm allowed to make legally... Once there's extra, it's not like I go, oh, great, more money came in. I'm just going to write myself a check. You can do that, but I can't do that. <laughs> See that? So, so this is not, if I want to get a raise, I have to ask a board permission. They have to sign a piece of paper, email it back to me, and then I can pay myself more. Now, if I ask them for that, they will sign it. But I'm just letting you know that this, I'm not saying this so like I can get an extra $200 this week or whatever. I'm saying this because this is true. So we're going to, we're going to rectify some things because there's a profound level of dysfunction in people's finances. Married people don't have joint accounts. There's, there, 
there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of things that are dysfunctional that have to become functional. So now we're, this is only the beginning. And I want to say one thing to you. Sometimes there's things in your life that are disorderly, and until you really understand that they're not right, you will not cry out for God to give you the wisdom and the power to change them. I spent years crying out to God, saying that our finances are disorderly, this isn't right, I'm getting robbed, and I told the Lord, if you value what I do, increase my pay, immediately my pay increased. There is a bunch of keys in which God gave me that brought an increase to my life, and I'm going to share some of those with you. But today, my main goal is to bring you back to the Bible so that you would be hungry for what does the Bible say about money? Because at the end of the day, it's not my opinion that matters. It's not your opinion that matters. It's what does God say about this? Because if we're going to be kingdom storehouses, if we're going to be walking in divine favor, if we're going to have a huge global footprint, if we're going to prosper economically, if we're going to get out of this building into our own building, we won't do that unless things are functioning correctly. If things are dysfunctional, we'll be in this building too long. If people are tithing, if people are sowing, their tithe will be in this building too long because it won't be there because people are dysfunctional. People are like, oh, I'm going to give my tithe over here this week. No, no, no. You're, you're missing the point. That's not the point. That's because we want to have an impact greater and we don't trust God with where we are. So that, that's not, that, that's not, um, anyway. Now, it's not healthy. Now, if the Bible is clear on a matter and I am a Christian, then it should be settled issue. The word of the Lord is forever settled in heaven. Psalm 119, 89. Now it must become settled in the earth if we are going to become conduits of heaven coming to earth. These are some scriptures in the Bible about money. For some of you who feel that you're going to be storehouses, I will get real acquainted with this. Because you better know the Bible because people will try to manipulate you. People will try to manipulate you for money. Pe people will try to shake you down. I've learned to trust God. That's why I tell you the truth. Wealth is 37 times in the scripture. Money, 149 times. This is in the New King James. The word rich, 189 times. Covetous, which is when you're fond of silver. 37 times, sold, 79 times, silver, 321, gold, 451, greedy, 9 times, lender, 2 times, borrower, 10, poor, 202, poverty, 21, debt, 10, usury, which is, in, which is capitalizing off someone's misfortune. It's like a loan shark. God says people that do that, he doesn't even want them in his presence. That's not the same as investing. Investing is taking capital that you made, putting it somewhere so that it accrues interest over time like an index fund, which is, which is how smart people who think generationally invest and they don't lose because they're making a 20 to 30 year investment and the S&P, for example, only goes up over time. So, so when things drop down, they smile because everything goes low and they buy more while poor slobs are living paycheck to paycheck with nothing. That's why rich Democrats, they need... The rich and the ultra-rich need Democrats who do bad things to the country economically for the purpose of when things tank, they buy. That's why they can be friends with Democrats even though they don't vote like them or think like them because they benefit off their dysfunction. That's like imagine every time you have a meltdown, I get paid a million dollars. I don't care if you melt down. Melt down all you want. If I'm going to make a million dollars every time you melt down, I'm going to help you melt down. I'm going to send you emails to trigger you to meltdown. You get what I'm saying? So this is, they don't care about the people. They, they create systems that they can then profit from. And, and we are, la, la, the church is in la-la land because the church doesn't understand basic economics. <sighs> bribing. Bribing is, is like, is like, economic, like, you know, flattery. People try to talk nice to you, talk sweet to you. They try to kick game to you because they want something from you. Not because not they like you. <laughs> Some of you know about it. Yeah. Tithe, 41 times. Offering, 
1,449 times the Bible mentions offering. Alms, which is giving to the poor, specifically. Nine times. Bought, 44. Buy, 63. Give, 1,058 times. So what is my point? My point is that it seems as if from the Bible, that the Bible has a lot to say about money. In fact, the Bible talks more about economics than it does about eternity. And when the Bible talks about eternity, sometimes it's in the context of economics. Remember the poor man in Lazarus? Remember the guy who inherits the kingdom? I was hungry, you fed me. I was. Remember that? There's a lot that has to do with economics and eternity. So my point, what I'm first trying to do is trying to stir a hunger within you to seek the Lord as it relates to money. We're not receiving an offering today. This is not a shakedown. We're not you know, starting a building fund today. This is for you. Because let's say, can I tell you something? You want me to be honest? Can I be honest? There are days when sometimes you don't tithe. For a week or two, and, and sometimes you're going, that's your tithe and you live there? Interesting. So, so you, we have all types of ideas that we, we think, just so you know, because we're pastors, we're not stupid. So, so we're like, that's, that's really interesting. But what God has been doing hasn't been hindered by you being late a week or not a week. Like, I learned that in traveling. I go to a church. I preach in a big church. I get beat up. I get a little offering. I, I'm frustrated. I come home angry. It's my day off. I go outside. There's a check in the mail. God levels it right up. That church is not your source. You're not my source. I love you. I appreciate you. I appreciate your being faithful to the Lord. You're not my source. So if you uh, are, are not faithful, God will be faithful. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. So this is, this is something for you because there is a flow in the kingdom as it relates to finances because the kingdom is not lacking. The kingdom is not lacking. And we're supposed to be living from the kingdom. Now, here's some biblical truths about money, and then we're going to get into a passage. The tithe was before the law. Remember we were mentioning... Abraham and Lot, remember, remember God told Abraham, God said, get out of your father's house. Remember that? His first words to Abram were, get out. And so Abram gets out, but guess what he does? Instead of leaving his father's house, he brings people from his father's house with him. Some of you want to bring people from your past into your future, and God is saying, they're not coming. They're going to cause you problems. Leave them. The best thing that you can do is when they recognize what God has done in your life and they ask you questions in a decade, you have the answers. One of my friends from 171 in the Dominican Republic across the bridge, he says, yo, Pops, I know it's real. My friends used to call me Pops. Yo, Pops, I know it's real. I go, why? He said, because you never came back. The best thing that you can do is change. I didn't change my phone number. God changed me. That's still the same next phone number. Remember that? Ring, ring. Remember that? Ring. No, that's, come on. This is, this is real. This is, not, this is not fake here. I've been a lot of things, but not fake. The tithe was before the law. If you don't give God the first 10% of your increase, you're robbing him. So Abraham... Now, Abram is a good guy. Abe is like, Lot goes and gets himself in trouble. He's got trouble with his wife. He's got trouble with himself. He got trouble with his daughters. He, he is a troubled person. Can I tell you something about troubled people? Don't bring them with you. You minister to them. You love them. You pray for them. You don't bring troubled people with you into your future. So Abram brings Lot, and Lot causes Abram problems. So now Abram has an army of 318 trained men who are trained for war, yet they never fought a battle. 
Abram goes and recovers Lot's crazy self, and Abram uses that as an opportunity, and he plunders those people who took Lot, and he takes the tithe of it and gives it to Melchizedek, who's a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. Melchizedek didn't say, hey, well, today we're receiving an offering. Today we would like to give you our Zell number. He just gave it to him. Before the law. Tithing is before the law. Sabbath is before sin. There are eternal truths and principles that are in the ways of God to keep God's people in the flow of God's blessing. Now, Tithing is not giving. Tithe, I'm going to say this again. Tithing is not giving. Tithing, it is a debt you owe to a God who purchased you in his own blood. People are like, I don't feel like this. I don't feel like that. That's cute. You were bought with a price. You are not your own. It's not about what you feel. It's about what he said. If we're Christians. Now, here's the thing that I've learned. A lot of good feelings follow obedience. A lot of not good feelings follow disobedience. So I'm not going to feel my way into obedience. I'm going to obey myself into some happy feelings. <laughs> so anyway, Psalm 23 says, May the Lord remember all your offerings. The Lord... It's not remember tithes. That just means you're not robbing him. What he remembers is your offerings. What is that? That is above and beyond the 10%. That is an offering. There's different expressions of giving. I'm going to talk about some of them today, but this is not just about giving. So if you hear that, you're not hearing this correctly. Giving to the poor is lending to the Lord, and the Lord promises that he will repay. The moment I told the Lord, this was about five years ago, I was so angry. I hated the church. Brett loved the church more than me. I hated the church. Honestly, I was so upset. I hated the building, no parking. I, hate, I just hated it. I just, honest to God, this is so true. I, I hated it. I, so I get why people didn't want to come. I hated it. It's like, and people were like, oh, I'm leaving, Pastor. I'm like, I would like to leave with you. Like, you know, I was, this is honest. You know, I preach in big churches with lights and stuff. They put your name on the screen. You feel good. They feed you. You know, it's like, I can't be here. This is like, <laughs> dear God, it's like torture. So, so Brett loved it more than me. I mean, it's classic. And I said, I'm upset. I, I, I'm I'm mad. I'm talking to the Lord. I'm mad. I need more money. You know, I, I need stuff. I need things. I mean, I need more money. Does anyone ever talk like that? So I'm like, Lord, Jesus, stuff I like is not cheap. I, I mean, I need help, God. I mean, he said, well, I want you to give more money to the poor every week. I said, what? I'm poor. I said, you, you want me to? give to myself here? I, I mean, are you kidding me? He goes, no, I want you to do that. That was one of, the, one of the steps. Since we started that, it has multiplied by five or six or seven or eight times every week. And there's a flow. Every week, there's a flow. I, I can tell you, I can tell you so many things from the time that I've married my wife with no money not having to pay for a ring to, I can tell you so many things, it's insane. I'm not gonna do all that today. But I know, it's very real. When, whenever we talk about money, dollars and cents, <laughs> it gets very real, it gets very, very real. So anyway, your savings can't save you. Remember the guy in Luke? He goes, oh, all the treasures I've got in my barn, I'm going to build bigger barns for more savings. And Jesus in the parable says, your soul will be demanded of you this day. Your savings can't save you. That doesn't mean you shouldn't save. I didn't say that. Don't say, I didn't say that. You say, what is he saying? Not saying that. Your savings can't save you. You want a key? I'm going to give someone a key. 
You want a key to having a healthy relationship with your savings? At the end of every year, tithe off of your savings as an offering. I just gave someone something. I distrust myself and my savings. I trust the Lord. I'm telling you, right now there's, there's keys that are being, they're being released to people who have ears to hear. There's keys. Thank you. Now, basic money principles. Honor the Lord with the tithe. Very simple. I'm going to go over this and then I'm going to get into a text. Very simple. Honor the Lord with the tithe. Give to the work of the Lord, which is mission work, uh, even feeding people in the street. Simple, simple stuff. And give to the poor. Build an emergency fund. You need to have a, this is very basic stuff. You need to have an emergency fund so that a credit card is not your emergency fund. The only thing that you should use on a credit card is if you have cash for something and you want to acquire points. That is the only sensible way to use a credit card. In our culture, you look at, you go, you go on Nordstrom's or whatever, right? And you, and you say you want to buy a pair of sneakers. You, you'll see something after pay. You can pay for the next four years for a pair of sneakers. That is, that is crack. That is a crack mentality. That is an addict mentality. Don't do that. You can't afford that. Just because you can make a payment doesn't mean you can afford something. I could afford to drive a better car. I would rather have not a better car and cash to move freely than someone who has a better car. They can't even do anything. It doesn't make any sense. Because then, And then it's a facade. I, I don't care. I'm not trying to impress you. If you don't like my car, it doesn't matter. I like it. You know, I'm not feeling, Pastor, I don't need you to feel me as long as my wife feels me. I, I don't care. I'm not trying to impress anyone. This is, this is really important. And sometimes in the context of community, you may be in a different season with someone. And so maybe, maybe Isaac and Brett can afford to do something. Maybe I can't afford to do that. So I would have to say, hey, guys, I love you guys, but it's not in my best interest this season to do what you're doing because I can't afford that. But you have people that pretend and then they hurt themselves trying to fit in with you know, the, the, the bigger boys and they're not ready for that. Sometimes you have to tell people no. People want to invite you somewhere, do something, and you got to say, you know what, to be honest, that is not wise for me based on where I am. Now, that you know what that takes? That takes humility. You know what you do? You swipe a credit card. That's stupidity. Then MasterCard is your master. That's no good. That's not healthy. That's, that's a bad, that's bad. Now, I would attack uh, debt aggressively. The Bible talks about debt as basically a Prey, a predator chasing prey. Like, run from it, run from it. Like, get out of it. That's in the Proverbs. Like, get out, like, be aggressive about it. One of the things Abner said to me years ago, who used to hammer me relentlessly about these things, he said, you're hurting your family. You can't do this. I say, I don't want to hear you. He said, you have to hear me. I'm on your board. He would hammer me and hammer me and hammer me. And he would get me angry. And he said, you know what? As soon as you start to get serious about paying your debt, I guarantee you your finances will increase. And they did. When you're getting into debt, you're giving your future away. No bueno. Don't use credit cards unless you have cash in hand. If you're doing a big purchase, airline tickets, things that you're going to pay for, it's smart because I will acquire $600 of cash back and I'll, I'll, then I'll, I'll, be, I'll be wearing a pair of $600 sneakers and you go, how do you get those? Oh, I didn't pay a dollar for those. There's this thing called self-control. I spent money that I had for where I was going, and I made something work to my advantage. That's being shrewd, being wise. But you, if you cannot be, some of you cannot be trusted with a credit card. When I wanted to come out of debt right before I got married, I gave my credit card to my best man, and I said, hold this, don't give it to me. Unless you solicit accountability, you may not get help. I'm telling you, this is, these, are, these are big things, because here's the thing. If you're going to be trusted in the kingdom... You have to learn to be faithful. 
And, and the Bible, I mean, okay, save and invest in your future. Saving is good to have a big cushion, but investing is really the key to generational wealth. Investing. Charles Schwab says your voice is your passcode. Charles Schwab says things like own your tomorrow. The church folks are afraid of tomorrow. We, we have, we, uh, we're, it's only getting worse. Charles Schwab is like, own your future. The church like, it's only getting worse. It's a sign of the times. Like, what are you? Yeah, Jesus is coming and you're broke. You know, it's like, you can't even, I don't even believe in the rapture. He can't even rapture you because if he raptures you, you're, he's stealing because you owe everybody money. It's a good thing I don't believe in the rapture. Anyway, that's another story. He's like, if Jesus takes me and I owe everyone money. <laughs> anyway, I'm just joking with that. Don't get upset with me. A righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So that means that righteous people can see two generations into the future and make plans to bless the future. You know that in the ministry, sometimes we're sowing seeds on a harvest we ourselves will never reap. So, so the Bible says that houses, plural, and riches, plural, are from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Bang. You know, it's easier to get houses and riches than a prudent wife. That was free. I've got to move on. All right, Luke. What time are we with? All right. Luke 16. This is Jesus. This is a, a profound critique. This is the parable of the unjust steward. Luke 16, 1. And he said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward... And an accusation was brought to him so that this man was wasting his goods. So he wasn't stealing, wasting. So he called and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. It's like a finance guy. I can't do anything with my hands. I'm not going to do a GoFundMe. I'm ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do. And when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. Watch what he's going to do. Very shrewd move here. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him, and he said to them first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? So he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said, Take your bill and write eighty. So the master commended the unjust steward, because he had dealt shrewdly for the sons of this world. Listen to this. This is a critique. This is not good. This is a harsh critique from Jesus. So, the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Not good. The scripture teaches us to be wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. I tell people, we told people yesterday in the deacon's barbershop, we were born again, we are not born yesterday. You, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you turn off your brain and, and you just feel. You have to use your mind. You have to think. You have to think about things through. You have to flesh out an idea. This is, this is really... Uh, really important. Watch this. 
9, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful, in which is least, is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust, in what is least, is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? So, how you handle money determines what God can trust you with that cannot be bought or sold. What cannot be bought or sold attracts money. <laughs> okay, I had a nice conversation with Isaac. There's two people in this room. I had a, a conversation where I said some things in a way that was respectful but straight. Both of them, when I left their presence, gave me something that day. And I did not come there for that. What is my point? My point is that things that cannot be bought or sold attract money. Why? Because they're valuable. You know what valuables do. Valuables have people say, hey, Brett, I want to buy your watch. Hey, uh, valuables attract money. People go, oh, I would never buy that. I, I know, because you don't have the power or the wisdom to generate money to buy something like that. He could sell a watch and more make, make more money on some of what our poor slob houses are worth. That's what people have a broke mentality. I would never do that. Yeah, you don't have the wisdom or the, or the, or the knowledge to do something like that. You don't even get it. I hate when people say, I would never do that. You will never do that. Get encouraged. Jose gets encouraged. I get inspired. We'll give a shout out to Haiti has a sneaker of the day today. <laughs> if we had an extra cameraman, I'd put him on our sneakers. We'd take a little interview. But value, value attracts money. Value, let's write that down. Value attracts money. When you add value to people's life, one of the most common responses to value is generosity. I said this about uh, Steph's dad. When, every time I've seen Steph's dad, he's blessed me with money. I never went there to get money from him, to ask him for anything. The first time he looked at me in the face and goes, thank you for caring for my daughter and my son. I didn't do that for that. I did that because that's my job. That's my responsibility. Value attracts money. When you add value to people's life, it attracts resources. What I'm trying to tell you is that this, first of all, you have to really hear that this is not about me. This is not about material things. This is not about, this is about something greater and something more important that if I am not faithful with what is little, I cannot be entrusted with what is much. So if, how am I gonna steward kingdom resources if I don't understand kingdom principles? How can I be an ambassador of the kingdom if I don't have kingdom language? How can I be an ambassador of the mission if I'm not clear on the mission? How, you, get, you, you, get, you get what I'm saying. It's like not very, you're very smart. Most of you are smart. So it's simple. If I can get it, you know, I went to school on the little bus with a security guard on the bus. So if I can get it, you can get it. All right. And if you have not been faithful, watch this, in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Do you remember the deacon telling you the story that he would go into his old barber shop where he worked and he would put toilet paper in there and he would clean it and he would make sure it had papers and, th and guess what happened in the next season? Now he has his own shop the very next season. 
See? But if you're not faithful, no upgrade. People are unfaithful. How do you expect God to entrust someone who is unfaithful? It doesn't make any sense. So, now, verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God, watch this, and mammon. So the other master isn't the devil. The devil is not a master. The devil is God's servant. Demons are subject to God. That's a whole other thing. When someone goes, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus does not protect you from demons. <laughs> the blood of Jesus protects you from the wrath of God. <laughs> it's the name of Jesus that you have authority over demons. People don't, they're all mixed up. So anyway, it's all right. So you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is a, the, the, the origin of this word is classic. Jesus is really someone who knows how to <laughs> administer the shank. Like, <laughs> Jesus, because he uses a word that has a Chaldean origin. Guess where that is? Babylon. He goes, oh, y'all like idols? I'm going to use some Babylonian language on you. you. The only person that uses mammon in Scripture is Jesus. It only appears four times. In Luke and in Matthew. Jesus is the only one to use mammon. Mammon is a Chaldean origin. And so he uses that as a uh, little reminder. Remember, remember Babylon? You want to be in bondage? You want to be in bondage to unrighteous mammon? You cannot serve two masters. So you will either serve God. The other option isn't the devil. I know we would like, it, we would like to believe it's the devil. But it's actually mammon. Wow. See, how do I know that you serve mammon? I'll tell you how I know you serve mammon. I'm not saying you do, but if you do this, you do. If you are willing to... Bend your ethics or compromise your convictions for money, you serve mammon. Mammon. Unrighteous mammon, which is very destructive and harmful for you because it will hurt you. Now, I want to quote David. There's other uh, scriptures that I want to... Um, preach to you but it, it's it's really it's too much in one day what I'm trying to do ultimately is to really stir your hunger for these truths see whatever you're hungry for you'll press into and we have people that I see you guys when you're hungry for something you get it When you're hungry for something, you go after it. Some of you are training for a marathon. Some of you are adopting children. And others are getting their life right and getting married and doing things. When you're hungry for something, you pursue it. You never have... People who are hungry for something, they never make excuses. Hungry people don't make excuses. They eat. Oh, <laughs> eat! Yep. Tell them. I'm preaching myself hungry. Let me just give you one more verse, two more verses. Because this is this is this is a there's a principle that's transferred in this verse. You have to get this. We'll use Nehemiah as an example. Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. 
That was his job. Say job. Job. Nehemiah's work was not his job. Nehemiah's work was rebuilding the wall. Watch this. Because Nehemiah was faithful at his job, he was qualified to do his work. If you're not faithful in your job, you will not be qualified for the kingdom work that you have. Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer, so he would taste the king's wine and risk his own life for the king's well-being. And that was a king who took his people and oppressed them. How's that for a bitter job? Imagine drinking the wine to make sure your oppressor doesn't die. So you want to talk about feeling like a little victim? Poor you? Please. You can't talk that language of the Bible. The Bible will take you to school. So Nehemiah does his job. He's faithful. He's the king's cupbearer. The king looks at him one day and goes, Why are you so sad, bro? You all right? And then he tells him why. And when he tells him, he gets favor. And the king, the heathen king, funds the rebuilding of Jerusalem's walls. This is like you're a crack dealer paying for you to get your teeth done. <laughs> you, are, you, are you with me? He funds the wall. Just, he writes a letter, give them everything they need. Boom, done. Fundraiser over, done. Goodbye. Board approval. As soon as the king wrote the letter, board approved, like, do it. And, you know, there was, there was, you know, people that came against it. You know, there was some situations, because there's always turbulence. There's always people that don't like board approval. The board is upset, you know. There's always people. And uh, so anyway, Nehemiah is able to enter in to his work, because he was faithful at his job, and the king, or the pagans, funded the kingdom project. But that was because he sought the kingdom first. He was more concerned with his assignment. And also, when he looked at someone else's misfortune, he felt compassion and he wanted to do something. He went into fasting and he went into praying. And before he even answered the king, he prayed about it. He wasn't quick to tell him his needs. He was slow. Hold on. Let me pray about it. Sometimes people are too quick to spit it out. And then God doesn't do it, then people feel pity on you and all that, and it's not, it's not the same. That's why I have never, never once in eight years spoken about any needs in my family, never once. And I never had to. I don't go to people and go, oh, I'm having a hard time. Oh, feel bad for me. Oh, it's so rough. I trust the living God. You never hear me talk like that. Because I believe what I preach. I believe it. I believe it. Verse 31. Actually, 25, Matthew 6. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? In other words, your body is more valuable than clothing and your life is more valuable than food. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather in their barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? You mean people are more valuable than animals? Yes. <laughs> okay, sorry. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So he's asking, when you worry, does it make you bigger or smaller? Smaller. Some people, instead of speaking about their, instead of speaking about their situation, it's always a situation. And it's always another situation. It's like, you are a situation. Why don't you start speaking to your situation in the name of Jesus? Instead of always speaking about your situation. Every time people see you, all they see is a situation. 
that's, that's too much. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not clothe you? How much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? The Jairus song. Every time I hear, how much more will he clothe you? That just triggers me. I get happy. Anyway, Sorabelle's happy too. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek after. For your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is, this is like, I don't, when you believe this, this is, this, is, this is important. So, instead of me seeking what is in it for me, I'm seeking what do I have to contribute to you. Do you get what I'm saying? That is how I solicit the Father's help. So, so, so the Father goes, huh, hmm, this, uh, this young rascal here, he's about my business, and he is about my kids, and he is about me. Great. I'm going to be about his business. Now, that is different than me trying to self-promote myself and to make you see my value and to go light and sweet so maybe you like me better. I don't have to do that. Why? Because if I seek the kingdom first, he will add those things that we all want. Some of us are just honest about it. We all want, he will add those things. Now, that's different when he adds versus I add. Because here's what happens. Can I show you how this works? We'll, we'll use this beautiful belt. Let me show you how this works. You guys are smart. You know how much this belt costs? This is like 240 US dollars. Okay. Right? So, this is the best belt you can get, by the way. Handmade in London. If I buy this belt, which I could have bought this belt, by the way, so you know, I buy the belt, guess what happens? $240 comes out of my account. I, that was not an ad. That was a subtraction. Can you guys do math? Now, here's how this works. He buys the belt, okay? Now that's a subtraction. But it's not a subtraction because it's a seed. So now we both win. I get blessed, he plants a seed. Which is different from me just going out and buying a belt. So my point, this is not, I'm not, we're not receiving an offering. Just give your normal tithes an offering. I'm trying, I'm trying to really put it in your mind. What does the Bible say about money? This is something that you want to discover. What does the Bible say about sexuality? Sex outside of marriage. What does the Bible say about family, about children? What does the Bible say about the role of government? What I'm trying to get you to learn to think and to feel and to respond biblically and scripturally. It's called a biblical worldview. If you have a biblical worldview, people cannot manipulate you. 
Because here's what happens. When someone says something to you that is manipulative, okay, you hear it through a filter of truth and you know it's not correct. Uh, right? So it's simple, but it requires your participation. It requires you eating the scroll. It requires you getting in the word and requires you having an inquisitive heart and say, okay, like for me, I'm just going to say like something like if I get after something, like if I want to do something, I, I put all of myself into it. That's why I appreciate when Brett gives me a handshake because he's not giving you a handshake. It's like a body shake. It's like a full body experience because he puts his whole self into something, which I appreciate that. Most people are not like that. Most people are like, I look forward to that. that. That putting your whole self into something. Not like the wet noodle, like, you know, give me a pound, you know. And I, I want to know what, what, is, what does the scripture say about that? Because people will say all types of crazy stuff, and I want you to know the truth. You have an internal fact checker, and he's not paid by Facebook. <laughs> he, you know, he is like the spirit of truth. So when you're hearing something that, that you know what it is, like for example, you hear people say, Good measure, press down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. That verse is not about money, it's about mercy. So you cannot use that verse to shake me down for money because I know what that verse is about. Now if I give, it's because I want to give, it's not because you're manipulating me with an organ. I don't care about an organ. <laughs> I mean, so, so now, I, I'm, okay, we're done. We're done. We're done. That was like, we just crashed the plane right into the building. You can never exhaust such a rich topic. But I'll give you, I'll give you one, one last scripture. God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants, which is you. If you serve the Lord, you don't, you don't have to be a pastor to be a servant of the Lord, a child of God. God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. So God as a father, do you want your kids to be a loser? No. No, right? They have my name. Heck no. So God doesn't want you to be a loser. God wants you to win and have godly success. And he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his service, which means he enjoys your success. He looks at it and goes, he's mine. I don't care if people don't like him. I like him. I don't care how people feel about her. I did that for her. See that? Let's pray. God, we're really in great need of your help. Um, I pray for people today who are wanting to come out of debt. That you would give them a strategy. That you would give them wisdom. And that you would help some of us who've done that journey to help them, to guide them. But for your glory, for your honor, for their freedom. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom to manage wealth and money. That you would give us generous hearts, Lord, that give. But, but this is beyond giving. That we would be good stewards of the resources that you've given us. Resources that are monetary and resources that are not monetary. That we would be good stewards. That one day we would hear, well done, good and faithful. Enter into the joy of your master. Lord, I pray that we would use wisdom 
and that you would open up the scriptures concerning money and the resources and that we would live with the conviction that the silver and the gold is yours that you own the cattle on a thousand hills the earth is yours and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein and everything was created by you and for you and through you and in you and so I pray God that we would have a greater vision of who you are Jesus and that we would steward what you've given us and that we would never be arrogant about what you've given us but it would be a, always a testimony and never a flex in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. We would love to see you in person. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.